What is up, everybody, and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick, and you are listening to the Spring Forward Podcast. Joining me to kick off today's episode is Spring League CEO Brian Woods to talk about the Spring League Showcase, which will take place in just about a month in San Diego, California. Brian, I, I was hoping you could tell us uh, a little bit more about the general intention behind uh, the Spring League Showcase and how it differs from what went on in Austin earlier this year. Well, as you know, Alex, the Spring League that we conduct each year uh, in March and April is really our our major event. Um, you know, we have a lot of NFL teams that attend. That it falls at a good time on their calendars, right to the you know, right before the NFL draft takes place. And at that time of the year, most NFL clubs are only carrying between 60 and 70 players on their on their rosters, and they're allowed to in the offseason carry up to 90. So it's a good place to come in, evaluate players, maybe find some uh, diamonds in the rough, and get some vets maybe into your uh, offseason training and uh, get them signed, get them active. Uh, the showcase differs vastly in that really what the showcase is all about is giving some of the guys that participated in the spring league uh, in Austin, or giving some of these rookie, um, some of these undrafted rookie free agents that maybe just got out of NFL minicamps, but for whatever reason were not signed on to a club, gives them another opportunity for exposure to be seen, to be evaluated. Most teams in mid-July are at their 90-man roster limit, if not pretty close to it. So as far as the showcase being a place where team is going to come in and and sign a bunch of players. That's not necessarily the case, but it allows them at least to see where guys are in their progress right before NFL training camps open up. So it's still been a good event to some of these younger players that want to be seen and evaluated one last opportunity. We're, and we're excited to be uh, having the showcase take place in San Diego this year. Right. So as I mentioned, and, and you just mentioned, it's in San Diego this year. Uh, the Spring League in April was in Austin, and last year's showcase was in Napa, Northern California. Um, so you can just talk quickly about the move to San Diego and uh, if we can expect anything uh, special because it's in SoCal. Yeah, I think, look, we're looking for ideal weather. Uh, last year we had a great a great uh, experience in Napa. Uh, unfortunately, some of the days that we were there, they were, they were, in, they were in a heat wave, and so the temperatures were, were hot. Practices were great, but game time temperatures, we actually had to move our kickoff uh, back an hour uh, because the kickoff temperature was going to be somewhere around 100 degrees. Uh, we're not expecting any sort of heat wave in Southern California that time of year. But most importantly, we need to be someplace where we can get in a handful of practices and not have to worry about inclement weather. And unfortunately, that time of year, most of the country is experiencing rain, uh, uh, severe thunderstorms, things of that nature. So California, whether it be geographically speaking, Northern California or Southern California, uh, those areas really give us a, an opportunity to uh, get uh acclimate weather uh, and to uh, have what we need to put the showcase uh, on and, and get a few days of practice in and play a game. So San Diego, we think, is going to be a good market for the showcase. It's going to be favorable weather for us, and it also offers a major airport so our players and coaches can get out, get in and get out pretty efficiently. Well, Southern, the weather is certainly why, why people flock to Southern California, and I guess the Spring League is now no exception. Uh, Brian, we'll see you in San Diego. Thank you for kicking off today's episode, and uh, let's get to our interview with Lyndon Trail. Lyndon Trail is a 6'7 defensive lineman out of Norfolk State. He spent three years in the NFL with three different clubs and recently signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League. 
He will open the CFL season, which begins this weekend, on the Ticats practice squad. We now welcome on a spring forward, Lyndon Trail. Hey, man, what's going on? It's a blessing to be here. It's great to talk to you guys again. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, you're a Florida native, grew up in, uh, in the Overtown neighborhood of Miami, which is just northwest of downtown. Uh, South Florida is obviously a hotbed of football talent. Did you find yourself surrounded by this talent when you were young, and is that where your initial drive and passion from the game of football comes from, or tell me about the beginning of your love of football? Well, oddly enough, uh, I was always taller than everyone around me, so everyone projected that whole basketball, NBA dream, <laughs> and I kind of took it, and I kind of ran with it uh, to an extent until I got to high school, and coaches actually noticed that I was a bit of a athletic freak. But before we even get to high school, uh, my middle school coach took an interest in me possibly playing tight end or receiver or anything of that sort. Uh, crazy part is I ended up on the Teddy Bridgewater's team. So, uh, and I say the Teddy Bridgewater's team because uh, if anybody knows Teddy, he's kind of been winning and doing this thing that he does nowadays since we were little. So uh ended up playing for the Bunch Park Cowboys. Uh, we ended up going to the Super Bowl uh, every year that me and Teddy spent on our little Pop Warner team and won the championships. And, so, and Teddy's uh, with the Jets now, obviously. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the passion had grew from there, and I knew that I kind of wanted to play football, but I didn't know if I wanted to be like an NFL player or a CFL player or anything of that sort. I, I always knew that in my mind I was going to be this basketball star that went off to Kentucky or Duke or uh, North Carolina and be shining under the star. But my uh, my sophomore year, after we won the state championship, and I was just a, a backup, <laughs> and coming into my junior year, my position was actually changed over from wide receiver to defensive end. Uh, coming into that spring game, little spring jamboree that we usually have, we played in high school, and I ended up with four sacks. So that actually propelled me to think, hey, you know, what if what if I'm really better at this sport than I thought? So uh, my junior year ended up actually posting 14 sacks and 77 tackles uh, with a crazy number of TFLs to go along with it. But my senior year actually led the nation in sacks with, uh, with 25 sacks, 95 tackles, and another number of crazy uh, TFLs to go along with it, which gained a lot of uh, attention from different D1 schools all over the nation. Yeah, and so let's talk about that. So, yeah, you, you, were at, you were at Booker T. Washington High School, and uh, it came time to make a decision where to play college ball. Uh, you know, tell us about the offers that that ultimately came your way, and then you it did end up staying in state and committing to Florida. The crazy part is, when I tell people that the University of Florida was my first offer, they go, "Wow!" So you didn't get the small schools first, and nothing of that. And when I asked Urban Meyer why they offered me, he he told me, "We looked at your film, and to tell you the truth, we weren't even looking at you." We were actually uh, scouting someone else from a high school that was a senior. And I just showed up. Uh, he said, you can flat out run. That was number one. Uh, you seem relentless in your pursuit. And we knew that you were you were really athletic. 
I mean, I think it helped that I had four and a half sacks that night, 15 tackles, but... Uh, it's a good night to get on tape. <laughs> yeah, but I think even more so, there was one play that he did in, uh, that stuck out to him, and it simply was, we got, there was a running back by the name of Daquan Harrigan, and he played for Northwestern, he eventually signed with uh, West Virginia University. This dude was also a track star. He ran, uh, I think he ran like a 429 and a 40. They gave him a tall sweep, and I took an angle, and he was running by our corners, our safety, and here's this defensive end who comes out of nowhere, runs this kid down, and tackles him at the two-yard line. So you do get the offer from Urban Meyer, um, and you go to Florida, and you do re- you redshirt your freshman year, and then the coaching change happens from Urban Meyer to Will Muschamp, and you don't actually end up seeing the field at Florida. Um, how do you sum up sort of your two years in Gainesville? And, and we'll get to Norfolk State in a second. Uh, well, the, the love, the friends, the, uh, I'd like to say the family now that I met at Florida will always have a, a special place in my heart. And, you know, a lot of Florida fans still, you know, check in on me till this day to see if I'm okay, how's things going, where's the journey taking me. But, uh, the whole coaching change was kind of a blow mentally and uh, physically, I'd say, as well. Just simply because a lot of us that got signed to the University of Florida in that 2010 class, we were committed to Herb. And uh, with the coaching change, you know, the way that bus trip ran things kind of shook a lot of things up and kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So uh, 17 out of the 24 people either transferred or they left early for the draft so they could get up out of there. <laughs> you had three years of eligibility left, luckily, and you, you end up at you know FCS school, Norfolk State, and you had quite a college career. So three seasons there, I've got your totals. You had 255 tackles, 41 of those were for loss, 19 and a half sacks, 18 pass breakups, eight forced fumbles, two interceptions, um, three straight all-MEAC teams, and FCS All-American recognition. So... How do you decide on Norfolk State, and and do you, those stats to you equate to success in your mind? Uh, crazily enough, the the way that I actually chose Norfolk State, to tell you the truth, I had no idea who Norfolk State was. Uh, I come from a small area in, in uh, Miami where you know most people tell you if you don't go to a major D one, you don't have a shot at going to the NFL. So I was very small minded at that point in time. So. Uh, Actually, a high school teammate of mine was signed with Norfolk State, and they just had won their, uh, their conference championship and had a little bit of a nice run in the playoffs before they got knocked off by Old Dominion. And, of course, I had uh, different coaches that were at different schools beforehand hit me up and try to entice me to come over to their new spot. And, of course, I was talking to different D1 coaches, but... I found out the other side of recruiting, the other side of coaching and what they can do and how they can deter you from going where they where they don't want you to go. Uh, so any and everywhere I was trying to transfer to, there was a block put on it by the uh, the recent coaching staff that had showed up. So I got to a point where I told myself, I'm no longer going to make it about football. I'm simply going to look for a program that has a good mass communications uh program and also who had good teachers so I was looking for more so hands-on 
in front of cameras, behind the scenes editing type of ordeals to deal with. And there was Norfolk State, who happened to be uh, one of the top five HBCUs in the nation for uh, their master's program. They also had the, the, uh, the necessary facts to back it. They have a, a number of people working for ESPN currently to this day and uh, other major networks as well. Well, and so we hope this podcast propels you into to that level, so that when your uh, when your football playing career is done, not too soon, you show them this tape and and you're right on air. Yep, uh, that's that's the plan, man. So, an interesting side note to all of this is that you played three four linebacker throughout college, and uh, even a little goal line formation tight end. Um, but you're six seven and upwards of two seventy now. So, was it your size that ultimately turned you into a lineman when you reached the professional ranks, or was it something else in how you played? No, I always knew that I had more of a an effect on offenses with my hand in the ground. Uh, playing at Norfolk State gave me the ability to showcase three different things. One, if, if need be, I can play tight end. Uh, I can also stand up, cover, I can get under number one and cover three. I can be in the passing lanes and cover two to take away the seam ball. And then uh, just simply letting them put my hand in the ground on certain downs showcase that I can also pass uh, I can also rush the passer so it, it gave me an opportunity to showcase my athleticism overall gotcha so now your, your college career is in the books uh, you, you do go undrafted um, and we're going to get to sort of your NFL career and try to try to sum it up but for someone so young um, you've seen the business side of football very quickly so you know after you go undrafted the two years immediately after college, you made four NFL stops uh, with three teams that took you from coast to coast, from Houston, then Washington, then L.A. with the Rams, and back to Washington where you ultimately made your NFL regular season debut. Uh, what are some of the lessons that you think you've learned about the business side of football uh, so quickly after graduation? Well, uh, sometimes you learn is some things are out of your control at the end of the day, you know? Uh the best thing that a vet ever told me, and this came from D'Angelo Hall, uh, I always tried to soak in, you know, some type of knowledge from guys who've been in the league for a while. And you look at them and it's like, yo, how are you still going? But uh, D'Angelo Hall told me, take everything one day at a time. Understand that you can control one thing and that's effort. Any and everything outside of that is out of your control. You don't worry about whether you're going to be there today or tomorrow. You just worry about going out there, putting the best film on tape, and uh, showing these coaches your complete dying effort. <laughs> like I said, you've had four NFL stops in your career, your very young career, uh, two of which were with the Redskins. Um, I could be wrong, but by my count, you've signed some sort of deal with Washington, whether it be practice squad, futures contract, or active squad, five times. So does that town, team, or fan base still hold a special place for you? Yeah, man. I mean... You know, most dudes get released by a team and they hold a grudge or anything of that sort. But my thing is, uh, I'm very thankful. They gave me a way to provide for my family, a way to pay bills, a way to eat, you know, uh, a way to put some money away to save for the future for a rainy day. And, I mean, I'm, I'm forever grateful for them. Uh, there was a couple of times where I knew for a fact that somebody had got hurt. And in my mind, I'm like, well... If somebody got hurt, uh, more than likely I'm probably going home and they sent somebody else home instead of sending me home. So, I mean, 
I can't really, I can't really be upset with them releasing me or anything of that sort. Like, I, you know, the Redskins have been good to me. The fan base has been good to me. Fans, the fans have never given me any negative feedback or anything of that sort. Uh, but like my mom said, if you're good to, to, to someone, more than likely they'll be good to you. You spent three, you spent three preseasons with Washington so far in your career, and you you got your active roster opportunity for the final two games of the 2016 season. Uh, where you played in Chicago and at home against the Giants. So after all the work that one puts into a professional football career, you know, from middle school all the way through college, uh, what did those two games mean to you? I mean, it was, it was pretty surreal, to tell you the truth. Uh, the crazy part is uh, I actually thought I was just going to be, like, on special teams. But uh, crazily enough, Ryan Kerrigan ended up, like, splitting his finger or something of that sort, and my coach looked around and was like, Trail, get in there, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, cool. So I, I actually got to go out there and get me at least 12 snaps on defense, and, I mean, after that first play, it was like, okay, it's time to play ball. <laughs> the surreal feeling went away, and it was like just football at the end of the day. And those 12 or so snaps led to two tackles and a pass deflection. I mean, what does knowing you can compete at the highest level of professional football mean to you and your drive moving forward? Well, I mean, the, the, the goal at this point is to showcase my skill and talents here and, you know, hopefully open somebody's eyes in the NFL to give me another shot. And, I mean, I guarantee from there that I'll know exactly what to do and how to go about a lot of things. But if not, I mean... It, I, I, I just look at it as if it's not in God's will. It's probably a bigger plan for me. Uh, football might be minor in his plans. It might be major in mine, but it might be minor in God. Your latest stint with the Redskins lasted just under a year uh, when you were released after the 2017 preseason. Um, and then your next taste of football was with the Spring League in Austin, which was in April of this year. So tell us about how you found out about the Spring League and then ultimately got accepted to play in it. Well, uh, my agent was telling me about uh, this league that had started up. I think he knows Brian, so uh guess he got in contact with Brian, got a little bit more information about it, uh, found out what, you know, the fees and things of that sort was to get into the league. I, I found out that a couple of my uh, a couple of my friends that I knew from the NFL as well was, was participating in the league, so I was like, okay, well, this, this isn't just a slouch league like these. These guys who, who play games in the league are here, and I was I was a guy that played a couple of games myself. So I was like, you know what? Well, let me go ahead and and, and meet up with these guys and showcase my talent as well. What kind of professional interest did you get while you were on site in Austin? There were a bunch of scouts there on the ground. Um, ultimately, it worked out for you, but uh, you know what was that experience like for you being uh, back in front of scouts? Well. I, I got a good vibe from it. You know, I got to talk to a, a couple of scouts. Uh, of course, the Redskins scouts was there. They stopped by and talked to me, caught up with me. Uh, sometimes people forget that, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. Uh, and it's always it's always good to see familiar faces. But overall, I was just happy that I can get back in front of some scouts, showcase my talent, and I just knew that the cards were going to fall when they fall afterwards. So now you're with Hamilton in the CFL. Uh, when was the first time that you were contacted by Hamilton? Take us through the decision to head to head over to Canada and, and continue your career. Actually, uh, like right after the NFL season was over, my agent was telling me that there's something called a neck list. And I guess, you know, Hamilton paid for my rights. 
So in my mind, I was like, well, if they went out their way to, to make sure that they had my rights, then they have to be pretty interested. But uh, like every other person at the Spring League, I guess, was hoping for uh, an invitation to a training camp or anything of that sort uh, from an NFL team. I was right. I was right along on that boat with them, but at the end of the day, you know, you take your blessings and and you count them. What did you know about the CFL before you got interest from from Hamilton? All I knew about the CFL was that they were a passing league. <laughs> uh, I've caught a couple of CFL games on, uh, usually around OTA time, and uh, actually a dude that I've known since high school, Deron Carter. Was actually up here with the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders now, and I've heard a little bit about the CFL from uh, Willie Jefferson, who's also with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who was with me in training camp, and uh, I believe 2016 with the uh, with the Redskins, and he got his little shot to come up there, and I eventually beat him out for the spot. So can you tell us about the, the major differences between CFL football and NFL football? There are a couple different rules. There's a bigger field. Um, what have you been able to pick on pick up on so far, and what's that learning curve been like? The field is much wider. Uh, like, when you think the sideline is your friend, the sideline is not your friend here because <laughs> the, the field is so much bigger than it is in the NFL. It just feels weird. Uh being nervous about running into a goalpost because it's not in the back of the end zone, it's at the beginning of the end zone. Uh, playing a yard off the ball is a major difference for a pass rusher. So in my mind, it's like, yo, if you can pass rush up here, you definitely deserve a shot in the NFL. One more difference is the five-yard halo rule on punt. So when you're putting the ball, you have to give the return of five yards in order to catch the ball. Whether it hits the ground or whether it's in the air, you have to give him five yards. If he catches the ball in, uh, straight out of the air and you're within five yards, that's a 15-yard penalty. If the ball bounces and he catches it and you're within his five-yard halo, then it's only a five-yard penalty. Uh, another rule, which is crazy up here, is there's only three downs. So, you know, if, if your offense isn't doing so hot, then it's going to be crazy coming off the, uh, the field, sitting down for two plays, and then you hear punt alert. So it's a, a much faster, much higher scoring game, you'd say? Yeah, definitely. At one point during the preseason, the Spring League tweeted that the, the Ticats have had eight Spring League alumni on the roster. Um, those players were quickly for everyone. That was quarterback Johnny Manziel, wide receiver Jalen Saunders, who was in the Spring League in 2017, uh, wide receiver Chris Hubert, running back Lorenzo Talaferro, uh, D-back Dwayne Thomas, D-lineman Roman Braglio, D-lineman Bobby Richardson, and yourself. Um, can, can you tell us which of those guys ultimately made it to the week one roster? Ben Saunders. I know he's on the opening roster. Uh, Bobby Richardson is. Uh, of course, Johnny Menzel is. <laughs> Before the league posted that, did you know about the large amount of Spring League alumni on the team? Was there any sort of camaraderie or recognition between you guys? I mean, of course, with the guys from this year, uh, we all noticed we signed or it was like, hey, yeah, you were just at the Spring League. Uh, I knew Bags for sure just being a D-lineman. Uh, I had to remember DT. I was just looking at it. I was like, why do you look so familiar? And he was like, yo, I was just with you uh, often at the Spring League. So 
we had that dialogue there. And and a lot of these guys didn't end up making the team. We see a lot of deserving Americans either cut or end up on Canadian practice squads. By rule, how does being an American in the CFL affect you? Uh, wow. So there's, there's a ratio up here. And you got to have a certain amount of Americans on the active roster and a certain amount of Canadians on the active roster. You have to have a certain amount of Canadians on the field at all times. And you have to have a certain amount of uh, Americans. Well, you don't have to have a certain amount of Americans on the field at all times, but uh, at least two starters has to be Canadian on on defense. But you have to have seven starters as a whole, whether it's offense or defense. They have to start somewhere. So put on your analyst your, your analyst mass communications degree for a second. And uh, give us a quick rundown of the CFL season for, from what you've been able to absorb so far uh, in Canada. I'll tell you this much off the bat. Uh, the CFL training camp is a little bit different. There's not too many off days here like there is in the States. So uh, it's truly a grind. It almost feels like high school all over again. We, we literally went at it every day. Uh the referees here are a little bit different. I don't know if it's just a preseason experience, but uh, a lot of things fly here, which is okay. Because uh, with the the whole NFL getting soft thing memo going out, you know, with all of the calls that they made, uh, it's kind of nice to, you know, play freely. And I understand that everybody wants to be safe and they're trying to enforce the safety guidelines and things of that sort. I mean, even here, they just got a video this year for the CFL that they're trying to make things safer. But as a football player, you kind of understand and know what you signed up for, you know? So to be able to go out there and not have to think, hey, you know, I'm about to hit this dude a little bit lower, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here with a fine. It's kind of dope. I mean, as, as football players, we understand and know what's necessary and what's not necessary. And there's certain hits or things that you do on the field that's frowned upon. And as a player, you never want to be known as a dirty player or anything of that sort. But here, you're, you're, you're kind of free to play. And it's a great subject. This interview will, uh, is being recorded on Thursday. It'll likely come out on Friday. And you guys open up your season on Saturday. Um, when and where's that game? And do you know how people can catch it? Uh, the game is actually out in uh, Calgary, and we're playing the Stampeders. And you could probably catch it on TSN, which is, I, I guess, is like the Canadian ESPN. Yeah, I know they've got the same logo. And for anyone listening in Canada, tune into TSN, and uh, we will figure out a way uh, to watch it in the U.S., and, and we'll certainly post about it. Um, we're confident you'll be suiting up on game day soon. We wish you the best of luck, and uh, congratulations on a new home and, and the continuation of your pro football career. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate the Spring League for giving guys like us the opportunity to showcase our skills, to have opportunities like that with a NFL team or a CFL team. And I appreciate you calling for the interview, and it's been a great one. All right, that'll do it for Episode 17 of Spring Forward. Good luck to Linden and all the other Spring League alumni in Canada as they kick off the 2018 CFL season this weekend. 
You can follow The Spring League on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Spring League. You can follow me on Twitter at AGStick and on Instagram at my newly renamed handle at AlexGoldstick. All music was provided to Spring Forward by Joshua Rosner. We'll be back with an all-new episode soon. Later. Thank you.